Hi, I'm Harry Gregson Williams, and we're here in my studio in Santa Monica, California. And uh, yeah, I don't really know what we're going to talk about. What are we going to talk about? Uh, you. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. But Harry, thank you so much uh, oh. for your time. I really oh, no appreciate it. So, oh, no worries. Um, so to to start off. Um, uh, let's start maybe from the beginning. I'm sure you've done many interviews talking about how you got into it. But what what, what was that initial spark that you remember that was that was like I want to do this? You know, well, this for a I d- actually, I did the the kind of a hallelujah moment for 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 me in film music um, happened relatively late in my life. Right. Um, you know, I've been doing music since I was four or five. So. Um, it was no. It's no <laughs> surprise that I've sp- you know I've fallen into. Yeah. A career in music. Right. You know, I felt like I was a working musician when I was seven. So, um, you know, I was I, I was packed off to a, a, um, a strange place in Cambridge in England, mm-hmm. um, which was set up. I think it was set up by Henry VIII, actually, oh, wow. you know, that long ago, um, specifically for sixteen boys to learn and read music and to sing. So it was like a kind of you're a choir boy. A choir school, yeah. Uh, but it was a bit more than that, you, you know, you had to study music right. um, and literally sing for your supper. Um, <laughs> and if you, you didn't, then you were no good to, to that school, that institution. But it's an amazing place, it still exists today, it's called St. John's College, Cambridge. And um, so I don't know what, uh, you know, I don't know what got into my dad to go and put me up for the audition. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I was no great shakes, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> you know, well, not much has changed. But, uh, you know, at six years of age, I played a couple of instruments right. and I could sing my little head off. But, um, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know what the, they were looking for because, uh, you know, there were, there were a lot of people for the went for the audition and they only took four boys that, wow. that year. Um, I guess they were looking for someone, <laughs> uh, someone who was quite hardy, <laughs> you know, because you had to be packed off to a boarding school. Right. Age six or seven. Um, and cope with all the, the, uh, the things that... You'd have to cope with if it was a regular boarding school. Right. I, you know, living away from home, and uh, you know, mm, being a schoolboy, le- learning your your math and the rest of it. However, on top of that, there was two to three hours of musical training a day wow. for the sixteen boys, um, and so that was that. You know, presented its own challenges. I, I the only the only bit that I that I I kind of um, rubbed up against them slightly the wrong way. So I liked my sports, and I, you know, sometimes when when the afternoon was drawing on, the rest of the boys would get right. to go out and play cricket or rugby or whatever it was they were going to do. Yeah. Uh, and I'd be dragged into to music practice. But actually, later on in my life, when I became a teacher of music and sports, mm-hmm. I organized it so that never did a child, a boy or girl, have to choose between musical sports that, you know, that the right. rugby players were in my choir and the you know, but the people who liked sport were in the orchestra or, or whatever, so you didn't, they didn't have to choose. So it was very important to me, actually. It was a sort of lesson learned. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, no, I loved I loved that place, and uh, I guess you could say it was pretty Dickensian. Mm-hmm. You know, it was pretty pretty dark. Right. Uh, quite ferocious, really. You know, it make us run a mile before breakfast and then practice our instruments for an hour. Wow, um, it's a good hmm. camp, I it was, it was, it was just pretty, pretty, pretty strict. But I think that sort of discipline probably set me in good stead for what I ended up doing because right. there's no doubt that you need you do need a lot of discipline to be able to get on in as a film composer probably as a TV composer as well I don't really know because I haven't done too much TV but you know I have friends um, 
uh, friends who, who used to work for me who've, who've now right. spread their wings. Like Dave Buckley, for instance, does The Good Wife every right. week. And That's the guy, you know, so he has hard. to be very strict with himself. You know, he'll take delivery of the the episode on a Monday and spot it on a Tuesday and deliberate it on a Friday or whatever he has to do, you know, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. quite a discipline. Yeah, I talked to Dave, like, yeah, five, he's done five mm-hmm. interviews with me and he's just right. fascinating. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's, a quite, it's quite, it's quite a, it's quite a, um, a discipline that. So, yeah. so I think the, the, he was a choir boy. That's actually how yeah. I met him. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, what about, uh, because your brother Rupert, he, <laughs> <laughs> you don't you have to be a choir boy to be a film composer, <laughs> but you know what, it, <clears throat> the musical education that it provided, um, for five years, because let's face it, when one got to puberty mm-hmm. and your voice changed, whoosh, you were out. You, out. you could, yeah, you could. There's no way you could stay because you couldn't sing and you couldn't. That was it. So right. um, um, it's a bit tough that, but um, yeah, no, the, the the musical education that it provided um, was second to none, really. So so I, you know, I was reading music really well, right. um, and and playing a lot of instruments by the time I was twelve or thirteen. But when I got to the end of that school and um, um, so I suppose I've carried that with me. You know, people, people often ask me, you know, you know, who was my composition teacher? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if I'd had one, I could tell you, but I, I actually didn't. I didn't study composition. Uh, it probably shows horribly, but uh, <laughs> it's true. Um, you know, what I did was study music, and I studied orchestration. I studied, you know, things surrounding composition right. but the reason I didn't study it because I didn't know I was going to be a composer I thought it would be completely useless to me why, why would I want to so study time, composition what did, what did you think you were going to be I was going to be a singer I was, singer. Going, to, I was going to be a bloody opera singer but look at me you know <laughs> I showed up at music school in London and everybody on my on my course was like six foot three with a beard and wearing sandals and I, you know I was just this slightly post-pubescent guy I my voice had barely changed and no it was clear that that just wasn't going to happen right. but that was what I thought I was going to do because I was so sort of trained in that way and um you know i'd um surprisingly i don't sing on any of my scores i I, you get a lot of choral music on my scores but i don't do the singing anymore (laughs) Uh, perhaps the gift that i i was given as a child perhaps didn't perhaps didn't translate as as a vocalist later on but um but you know everything that went with it was in indisputably helpful because uh there was a lot of uh you know, a lot of care and attention to detail was right. demanded of us as children. Right. You know, I, I'll always remember standing in Notre Dame in Paris. You know, we toured a lot and sang around the world. Um, and the choir master, you know, we filed out in front of the audience. Mm. It's a pretty big cathedral, that. A lot of, lot of people sta- sitting there. And often our concerts were accompanied by the organ or an orchestra or something like that. But on this occasion, it was a cappella. And we were about to sing this piece called O Sacrum Convivium, uh, a religious piece uh-huh. um, by Olivier Messiaen. Well, yeah, we were in Paris, we were in right. France. <laughs> the damn thing starts an F sharp minor chord with the treble singing, I think, an A above the stave. Uh-huh. And the choir master pinged a little tuning fork, and we could barely hear it, but it was an A. It always was an A, no matter what. Pe- <laughs> no matter what key the piece was, he just gave us an A, and we had to sort it out from that. But A is pretty helpful for for an F sharp minor chord. But ping, and then it was absolute silence in the cathedral. Three, four, boom, and in you came on as clear as a bell on that top note. Oh, wow. But you know th- those sort of things. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I mentioned. It. I don't think it's very. You know, I don't have to perform that that's that sort right. of thing day and day now. But um. I think just the attention to detail, and uh, certainly I was given a love of 
going after the very best that something can be at an early age. Yeah, certainly that. You know, um, he we we weren't we weren't trained to to be slightly good. We were right. trained to be absolutely yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah, and he didn't accept anything differently. And and um, you know, because one was on a scholarship, one actually felt that a lot. Right. That that standards had to be high and there was no other way of going about it. So I don't know, <laughs> cut on how many years, and here I am. And it's all been downhill since. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I never studied composition, but um, you know, maybe I should, maybe one day I, I will, but um, <laughs> no, I'm quite serious about about being a composer now and and, uh, and what that entails. And you know, I've had my start, I had my lucky break, I had my schooling through Hans Zimmer and uh, right. uh, and a few other, n- number of other composers actually that bear mentioning, Richard Harvey, who gave me my very original start in Richard England. Richard great, I love yeah. Richard. Yeah. Well, he, you know, I started you know, making the tea for him um, <laughs> back in about 1990. You know, I, I, I can't remember. Some, I think it was my dad had sa- said, uh, "You, you need to meet this, this, this composer. He's, he's, he's got a, he's got a recording studio in, uh, in a district called Chelsea in London, mm-hmm. which is very posh. It's a bit like saying." You know, someone's got a recording studio in Beverly Hills. Right. Like, oh, okay. Can I go to it? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I said, "Can I have his phone number?" He's like, "Sure." So I, I called Richard up one night in about 1995. So and I, I'd been traveling um, and teaching music up until that point. Right. But I was interested in getting in the studio, and I had a little bit of experience there, not much. And uh, I called him, and and uh, he was obviously in the middle of a session. Uh, I was in London, but I was not close to him. He mm-hmm. was in his posh studio. I don't know where I was, and uh, he said, "Look, listen, c- c- I haven't got time to speak to you now. Um, where are you?" So I said, well, "I'm in London." He said, well, "Where are you staying?" So I said, well, "I don't know, friend's couch. I really haven't got any plans at all." He's like, "Great, today's Saturday. What are you doing tomorrow?" So I said, "Well, I don't think anything." He said, "Can you play cricket?" So I said, "Yeah, no, I love cricket. There's baseball in your pants." Um, I love cricket. So I said, "Sure, sure, sure." <laughs> he said, "Great. Um, do you like curry?" So I said, "Yeah, sure, I do." Um, so he said, "Look, can you meet me at such and such a pub?" Uh, uh, at noon tomorrow and you can play for my cricket team and we'll, ha- we'll have a curry in the evening we'll talk about what what, what you want to do wow. so we became fast friends right there and then and he, he hired me um, you know as a kind of runner uh, apprentice uh, <laughs> tea boy goodness knows what orchestrator <laughs> um, arranger uh, fellow cricket enthusiast um, <laughs> s- straight on the spot and, and wow. uh, uh, and I stayed with him for, for five years or something. It was through through working at his studio that one day I met Hans Zimmer, right, who happened to move too. move into one of the studios there for a long prolonged period. Mm-hmm. So he was about to do Crimson Tide um, and that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, and, and uh, I met Hans and we became really good friends. And then I was really sad because he buggered off. He he just left. We you know he lived in L.A. and right. He'd finished whatever it was that he was doing, and I and I he he gave me a gig. He gave me a job on Crimson Tide and and some other things, and uh, yeah, yeah. you know, and I started learning what he was doing and the fun he was having with all these machines. Um, and quite honestly, up until that point, so I didn't I have don't any e- electronic. No, 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 no at all. none at all, because Richard um, Harvey, who I'd been kind of apprenticing with, um, in said cool studio in Chelsea in London. He was a pen and paper guy. He w- yeah. he used a little bit of computers in music, but he's you know he's a, he's a a musically trained composer right. um, of the top notch, in my view. Um, uh, I've always had a high regard for him and his abilities. And uh, he, he uh, so when I met Hans, Hans was completely reverse, no music manuscript inside anywhere, uh, and a lot of computers. And I, I didn't, I didn't really, I had no idea where that would lead. And we, we, uh, I spent a lot of time 
watching him and uh, talking to him. We became quite friendly. And then, as I say, he, he left and at the end of the project and came back to LA. And I, th- I was really sad. I thought, man, yeah, we were just getting on so well and I was learning so much and what an opportunity just, just went. And then <laughs> one day the phone rang and uh, the receptionist f- said, Harry, it's Hans Zimmer for you. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> I wonder what he, he must have left something. <laughs> must have left his wallet or something. <laughs> so I took it and he's like, uh, how quickly can you be on a plane? So I said, mm, it takes about an hour and a half to get the Heathrow from here. Pretty quick. Why, Hans? And he's like, uh, um, I've got the, the, the director of Muppet Treasure Island on the other phone, on the other line. And I'm, I'm reluctant to take it on. But um, if you come out and help me, I'll, I'll take it on. And it would be a great one for you to to cut your teeth on you know you've done all these years of right, teaching right. and you know ki- what kids like and um he knew it would kind of be in my 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 vein yeah um but he didn't you know it was his film and he was going to do the score but he he um he kind of had an outgoing musical assistant mm. which was nick lenny smith right yes. who, who'd done really well on, on cool runnings and a couple of other movies um and nick was kind of towards the exit not being booted out but right. you know he'd kind of uh how should we say he he graduated almost yeah, from the school of his, Zimmer? His yeah, solo career going absolutely. And and Hans was like, oh bloody hell, who's going to help me now? Uh, what about that skinny little bloke in London? Um, so I I did I, I ditched the uh, the rusty uh, Triumph Spitfire, precise probably still sitting where I left it 21 years ago, <laughs> but uh, I got a one way ticket which you could do then to America. I'd never been to America before, but I'd always been quite interested in it. Were you scared? No, not the, not in the slightest bit, but. Um, I didn't I really have anything to lose that it was just me right. um, you know I often I talk to other people uh, composers who you know some quite often English composers who want to talk to me about advice about immigrating over here and, right, right. and you know I met a few of them and helped a few move over Dave Buckley one Halle Cawthry is another mm-hmm. very talented composer um, um, but they were just them at the time. They were single. Right. They didn't have children, wives, much of a career. Right. And same with me. I didn't. So when when you when you kind of move over like that, Easier, there was right. no particular plan. Right. But you know, had I had two or three children who needed finding schools and I needed a proper house, you know, I slept on couches for a long time. And uh, yeah. you know, I, I, it was pretty rough the first couple of years. And I was pre- pretty much illegal as well. I mean, so I came in on a ninety-day pass. But back then, pre pre nine eleven, you could get away with um, just sort of going down to Tijuana and you know, going out and then coming back in again. But they rumbled that after. And then yeah. I eventually got myself all, you know, got, got myself the visas and the green cards and then and actually citizenship after many years. But um, uh, those early years, I mean, you, you talk about with working with Hans Zimmer and stuff. And there, I mean, there was a much of other group of composers who have done the same path. And, yeah. and do you remember those years as being... Um, happy? Happy yeah. Or, yeah. or really, really like, happy. intense? Or? Happy and intense. Yeah. They were very, you know... Um, and I've always been very grateful and very uh, forthright about, uh, you know, who gave me my leg up. There's no doubt about right. it that Hans, Hans is the reason I'm sitting here. I mean, I told you, he, he called me and said, you know, get over here. Yeah, uh, and I didn't, I didn't, I had to check with Richard Harvey, it was all right, because I, I did <laughs> have a job. <laughs> I'm like, Rich, do you mind? I'm just going to go see what happens. And he's right. like, no, go on, then, go on. We'll see. Uh, we'll probably see you on the next plane back. But, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I th- the first two or three years, um, you know, I was uh, the, it was really a, a, an intimate setup. I was Hans at the helm, which is where he still is, I'm sure. Right. Um, 
and a composing assistant, which was me, to be me, and it was kind of the outgoing was Nick Lenny Smith, as I told you. Right. There was a tech, who was Mark Streitenfeld, long-haired German guy, very. Uh, we became really good friends Mark immediately. Mark yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and he had, I think, he had a he had a, a little guy running around after him. He had an assistant, an assistant tech. Um, and then, you know, Alan Marson mixed his scores. Right. Um, uh, and there was, a, there was a lovely girl, English girl, who Hans had brought over to manage the studio, called um, Emma. Um, and that was it. That was really the team. Wow. Um, and it was... You know, looking back on it, if I would have to relive it now, I'm sure I'd feel an incredible amount of pressure and to yeah. do well and to be successful and not to make any missteps. But at the time, you know, I was young and foolish, and there was nothing else for me to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I didn't come here with a family or or with other right. people, you know, with any particular reason to need to earn money very quickly or anything like that, or in, indeed really have a career very quickly. I, I didn't realize that that was what might happen. I. I, my first mission was to, my first film with Hans, which was Muppet Treasure Island, was to do a great job. Right. And, you know, as luck would have it, he, the film recorded back in London, Abbey Road, so, uh, at Air Studios, I think it was the, one of the first, if not the first, feature film to be recorded there. And, you know, Hans said, you know, do you want to come back and conduct it? So I'm like, sure, sure, sure. Never conducted much, you know, much more than the 20 piece before, but, you know, it was an 80 piece orchestra, sure. Wow. So I got to do that. and. Um, no, I was really smitten. I was. I really, really, really loved it. That's and awesome. you know, Hans was really generous with his time and his advice. Of course, yeah. um, and you know, I had no gear, and you needed gear to be right. able to keep up with Hans because he had all these bloody machines full of samples. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, for me to be useful to him, I had to have a ridiculous amount of these. Uh, stinking Roland 760 samplers, which was the thing of the time. Right. That sort of history now, but. Um, I said, well, Hans, how, how do I get them? He said, you take out a bloody bank loan. That's how you do that. And I said, but Hans, there's no bank will give me... It's, 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 they're they're going to be about 4200 bucks each, and you said I have 27 of them? <laughs> I t- and he's like, come on, we'll go to Bank of America. I'll, I'll whatever you do, co-sign. <laughs> so you better not, you know, you better not screw up. So that they lent me the money. He said, you know, one day that'll buy your house. <laughs> Maybe it did, I don't know. But... Um, yeah, so we, so I got the gear necessary to be able to learn to demo things like he had shown wow. me. And I didn't have to be the night owl because up until that point, to do anything effective for Hans, I had to do it in his room with his gear. And in order to do that, he hadn't got to be there. Right. Couldn't be two of us sitting on his seat at once. Right. And the guy didn't leave the studio till half past 3 a.m. Yeah, he's a night, night guy. Right? God. <laughs> so that's when I start? Oh, great. Um, so that's that was my starting point so that's that was the first couple of years were, were right. a bit brutal like that but fun as well i i was totally up for it i'm sure yeah mm. you had a few uh collaborations with john powell yeah of course and you guys did amazing work and yeah. but that was a that was a it wasn't a it wasn't a it was an arranged marriage right was it was it or was it you guys <laughs> say oh let's work together did Hans put you guys no, on ants together? no well i suppose i must have been at media ventures as it was called right, then, a couple right. of years and then john showed up right. a couple of years after me uh, and he was obviously he was at a very different stage when he showed up yeah. he had already been a very successful jingles writer right. commercials writer oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and he'd earned a bit of money he had gear and he, <laughs> had, he had things like a car and a wife and stuff like that I, I didn't have anything at all <laughs> and I was still just me sort of right. trying to see if I could get, get something going so John, John showed up in a very different um, you know he was always he was already quite confident and accomplished as a, as a composer right. I, I wasn't at all. Um, 
But um, I guess I I don't know what John what John's qualification was. So he, you'd have to ask him for that. But um, what's what was my qualification for being the, one of the composers on Ants? Um, I can't think. Right. <laughs> Only that I, I had worked with Hans and worked really hard for him on um, something called the Prince of Egypt, right, which right. was um, which was a beautiful, big, yeah. hu- humongous project for Jeffrey Katzenberg. You know, it was. I don't think it was as successful as he he would have liked it to be, but it had an amazing cast, and it was a musical, yeah. uh, and it needed a lot of score and a lot of the songs arranging. Right. Stephen Schwartz wrote the songs, and and Hans and me and John Powell, Gavin Greenway, had also shown up at the same yeah, time. Were were charged with were arranging some of these songs and helping on the score, and I was most focused on the score. Mm-hmm. John and Gavin had done songs before, and they were quite comfortable in that idiom. Right. But uh, I did you know I did some score cues and. Um, for Hans and uh, you know, I remember he very generously one time said, "Look, listen, uh, um, I played him the cue. You know, he made like ten thousand comments. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, give me all night. I'll make those adjustments. So I made the adjustments. He said, "Look, I like this cue. You should you should play it for Jeffrey. So it's normally the norm the norm was that he would play it for right. Jeffrey, uh, and he very generously brought Jeffrey into my little boudoir. It was hardly a studio. It was like a tiny little room off the main corridor at Media Ventures." <laughs> And uh, I played the cue for Jeffrey, and he really liked it. It was a pretty cool scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I suppose I must have figured somewhere on Jeffrey's radar, but not enough for him to want me to do right. his first computer-generated That's movie. Right. That was the, I so I think I think probably the story is that Hans was asked to do it, and he was too busy or didn't want to do it, something like that, and said, look, um, you know, to replace me, you'll need two of my minions. <laughs> 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 um, so, so, you know, we... we me and John were just put together. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't something we we do, you know he actually had a composing partner anyhow which and still does I think with Gavin Greenway. Yeah. yeah so yeah. So they have a sort of company together and stuff. So I didn't muscle on that. No, that was. Uh, so we were just asked to do that, and we, you know, I suppose we didn't mess it up too bad because we yeah. were asked to do Chicken Run from that Shrek. And Shrek, and you took Shrek on and made yeah. it a huge. <coughs> but it was time after Shrek. It was time for us to, to see if we could forge our own paths you know and he right. went off and did his born things and right. i often did many movies with tony scott and and we found our own voices um, you did you guys are, um, i think two, two, two tapa tours i think yeah. well i don't know about that but we fa- managed to find our own voices that were s- separate to each other and right. to hans which was crucial you know because the guy cast the big shadow yeah that's a, I, I know, know that because be tough for a yeah. composer to, to well the the, the, the cool thing was that hans never ever asked me to um to write in his style. Right. I mean, the thing was, if I was going to be an effective composing assistant, I had to write in his style because it was his score, right, right. his themes, yeah, yeah. his movie. And um, uh, so I did. You know, I, I hope I was effective on a, a f- couple of the movies that I worked on with him. But but you know, all the time I had my own my own little musical agenda, which was bursting to get out. And mm-hmm. and I I just had to wait for an opportunity for that to happen. And um, I didn't have to wait long. You know, I I uh, I was very lucky. I did uh, apart from the three huge DreamWorks movies. You know, I did right. I did some small, some little indie movies that allowed me to sort of flex my own muscles without yes, being yeah, in yeah. view too much, and just see how how, how things felt. And uh, so that's what I did. And uh, from from that, you of course, Tony is one of the. I think you and Tony have done the body of work. Is I mean, I see. I'm not a musician. I grew up falling in love with film music into filmmaking that's what kind of segued me into filmmaking and uh, Tony's films were one of those things how I kind of discovered you of course through Hans and everything but right. and uh, when you were at Fans of Film Music just a few months yeah. ago you mentioned that which I was so excited to hear because that's the way I saw it is that you're 
work with him is almost like a big unified body of work. I kind of mentioned talk that about it, which it, it is. It I feel like with Tony Scott. Yeah, yeah. And I, feel well, like I the, think that was what well that was him. what he was he was really aiming at, and he that was that was Tony's plan was that we should cultivate our style, right. and part of his style would be would be me and the, and, and the music that went along with his you know the way he moved his camera around and all the rest of it. Well, check it out. A lovely picture of him up there. I, I remember you posted that on, uh, on Facebook. That yeah. picture. So so, yeah, and I you know I've been very fortunate to to have hooked up with Ridley's you know since right. since then. Um, and we'll see where that takes us. And uh, yeah, the Mar- the Martian was a real joy to work on. Um, you're, I mean, you're you're there in Prometheus a little bit. You're there in uh, Exodus in Exodus a little bit, and now you finally were mm-hmm. able to reunite yeah. since uh, Kingdom of Heaven was the yeah. last full yeah. full time you guys worked together. Yeah. So are you? Can you? Are you coming back for Alien? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're doing Alien. I'm pretty sure you said I could. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. I'm, I'm pretty sure you said do the <laughs> next one. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, that'll be much later in the year, or, right. or or yeah, not for a while yet. But no, I'm excited about that. But going back to to, to Tony, I mean, he's. His style. I mean, you guys worked so his edit with your music and everything. Did he mm. ever edit to your music? It seemed like it almost was shaped over the <coughs> song. Actually, no. I no? that fell to me, and my music had to follow really? his camera wow. moves. And yeah, so it was. It became quite methodical, and you know, the, I had, <coughs> you know, especially on Domino. Yeah, that was a crazy one. That <laughs> was absolutely insane, and uh, you know the. <laughs> We have a little, you know, cue list at the beginning of a movie right. after a spotting session, and you, you kind of, that's the kind of ballpark of what the job is, right. like 60 cues totaling, I don't know, on on, uh, on The Martian, I think I had uh, 48 cues totaling yeah. 82 minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you kind of know what, what you're up against. Um, <laughs> on Domino, there was something like 182 starts, because there are lots of little tiny things. Right, um, little snippets. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, totaling... 50 minutes so I couldn't get my head around it but uh, I actually secretly love that movie and um, but but you know that requires a lot of a lot of um, a lot of care to, to detail and attention to detail right right well, yeah, of course. you know because he what he needed was the mu- music to be kind of a part of this swooping and uh, flailing about of the camera yeah and it became a sort of character within the film but you know he uh I don't, I don't think he ever cut anything to my... So did, I feel like to get that kind of uh, structure, though, did he ever use temp music? Did he ever yeah. show you temp music? Yeah, okay. he did. And he used... Uh, well, he, you know, what was quite... quite uh, became Started to become quite awkward was that he, you know, after Enemy of the State, he when I did Spy Game, there was a little bit of the best sort of moments of Enemy yeah. of the State in the, in, the, in the temp track. And then when I did Man on Fire, there was the best bits of Spy Game and Enemy of the State. And then when I did the next one, there was... So, so he was kind of building style. his tapestry, and right. it all kind of worked. So it was quite difficult for me to get away from that and then find something a little right. fresh so and fresh. So kind of kept you focused on that sound. Yeah. yeah. So th- in a way, I suppose you could say he was cutting to, to, well, to yeah. my music. It just wasn't <laughs> just specially composed to that movie. But, um, yeah. And then uh, another co- director you've built an amazing uh, collaboration with is Ben Affleck. Um, yeah. and, uh, and you're coming back for his next yeah. film, right? I mean, he. How is it working with an actor who's also a director? I mean, you're scoring his performance as well. I mean, does he? How is that? It's going to differ from just having a director. Yeah, it is actually. It, it yeah. certainly is, and I I had never done that before right. uh, until his second movie, The Town, because he, he he personally wasn't in. Yeah, he wasn't in Baby Gone. His brother was. Um, <coughs> <coughs> excuse me. But uh, yeah, that, that I remember the end of the town, which was very emotional. 
And, you know, the whole thing with Ben is finding the balance of how much emotion should be, Mm -hmm. the music should be allowed to contain. Right. And he's very keen for it not to be too much, uh, if anything, be Mm -hmm. understated. And that plays into my book. You know, sometimes, um, you know, I wonder whether I should... if I would have, if I'd have written all the fifty or sixty scores again that I've done, um, perhaps I could be more overtly mo- m- emotional. But you know, I think in general I'm quite subtle anyhow. I try and be. Yeah. I don't. It doesn't sit well with me to clobber the view over the head with an emotion, um, and sometimes I think that's come across perhaps especially on soundtracks as opposed to within a film, as perhaps. Just um, the way it's mixed is completely different. Yeah. It? How do you listen to? But I love that you do, and you do it with Ben. You did it with Tony too. You, mm. I feel like the you do a simple piano theme or a guitar right. theme, and that kind of is the the spark that almost bookends. I think I feel right. like you don't use it too much in the middle. But good. Well, we'll we'll see what Ben's next movie is like. But since it's set in the Prohibition area, right? So I, that you know, that's the, yeah, that should be interesting. And um, you know, I haven't started work on that yet, right. but I'll be starting pretty soon. So what happened with Argo? How come? How did that? Because he used. I don't know. You'd have to ask him. He used a piece of your music in it. Yeah, I know he did. <laughs> I was sitting there. I'm He's like, a spy game. Oh, that's yeah. spy game in there. Yeah. It's like, was he? Did they just? I don't know. You'd have to ask the Frenchman then. Um, yeah, or you, put another way, you could ask him why he's not doing the next one. Uh, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, you guys are great. And together. I actually yeah. was coming to a point where, right at the time when he would have been needing music, um, where I decided to take a year sabbatical. That's right. So I didn't do any films for a whole year and I decided to go back to teaching that's right you went uh, back to England yeah so yeah. I went I took my wife and uh, some of my children not all five of them but um, three of them um, back to 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 England um, and I went back to the school where I learned a lot of my music and I taught music and sports again wow. I thought it was time to reconnect with the real world not the movie <laughs> world uh, and that probably refreshed you too. I'm it sure. really did. It yeah. really did. And um, and not so much going back and living in in England. I actually missed California while I was away. But yeah. um, not so much that. But more, um, you know, I th- I think if I have a vocation, it's it's teaching. You like you get a you yeah. enjoy out of teaching. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think if I have it, one, it's probably that. As opposed to film music, I don't want that to sound like I'm ungrateful to be a film composer I'm not but uh, my first love was and the way I really connected with people to begin with was with with teaching music and sport and I still love to do that but I don't really have time to do that as a as a film composer so to take a year off was right. really really amazing and uh, rather than you know, I don't know sit by a pool for a year or, or do nothing with yeah. myself I thought well what what could I do that would be useful and that would be energizing and hopefully inspiring to some students so yeah um, I did that, and at the end of that, when I came back um, to LA, I had got rid of um, my very big studio on Venice Beach that I had accumulated a lot of uh, real estate and people right. uh, who were, you know, had been working for me or with me, and who were about to start working for me or with me, and I, and I disbanded that before I I went on sabbatical. Right. So I came back uh, with a clean slate, as it were. Wow. And uh, you probably met on your way up. I've got two really talented people who work with me now. One, Tech, Paul Thompson, who who um, was at the the place you go to to study these things in, in England, uh-huh. called Tonmeister. Um, and uh, he was a runner at Abbey Road when I met him. 
So I plucked him out of there, and, and he's my tech. He looks after the studio and everything in it. Wow. Uh, and then I have one composing assistant, uh, a young girl called Stephanie Economy. Right. And she, uh, I found her um, at a performance I did at UCLA. She was on the film music course there. But she'd wow. studied, you know, she studied music in Boston. Wow. She studied music properly, and uh, so she's a young, up-and-coming composer. She worked a bit on The Martian with you. She right? did, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so she's getting that that sort of that's, opportunity that's that, that I had from. Taking it. Well, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's you know what goes around comes around. Right. Absolutely. So, growing up, I I mean, I'm going to be the fanboy a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I listen to your music. I own all your scores. Um, they've inspired me to write things, write screenplays and stuff. And I know you'll probably disagree, but I think you're an amazing auteur, and I think your sounds. You you do reuse a lot of motifs and sounds throughout yeah. your scores, and I would love to know like. I think one of your signature ones is kind of that sound, that reverb that you use a lot. Where, so where did that or originate from? How did that become part of your kind of? Uh, um, I think probably sound? I think probably the first movie that I worked on with Tony Scott, which uh -huh. actually actually wasn't a movie, it was a, a TV episode of of had David Bowie in it and uh, Giovanni Ribisi. It was a very bizarre thing called The Hunger, not oh, yes, not yes. the film The Hunger. It was a one hour right. TV thing. And I, 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 I we were talking about it the other day actually. We we dug it up. Um, <laughs> But uh, was it a vampire thing? It was something. Um, it wasn't vampire. No, it was. It was pretty bloody. I seem yeah. to remember. Um, but uh, the first time I really got composing um, with Tony Scott, kind of in the room, right. I realized he 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 heard things slightly differently to to normal people, <laughs> and he liked he liked the idea of if a certain important moment was about to come, uh -huh. preceding it with something that you couldn't really hear to begin with and uh -huh. you couldn't really recognize that would jam into the cut and it would jam right up into the cut. So, right. you know, you could go to the piano and play, boom, yeah. uh, take that audio file and flip it over. So yeah. it would go, <laughs> and uh, it, it just became, I mean, this isn't revolutionary. I didn't invent no, this not. at all. Um, I but I, for yeah. me, it felt really original. I'd never done anything like that before. Right. And, uh, you know, the the opening titles of Deja Vu, probably six, eight years later, Yeah. Uh, I had a little piano figure, which is ding, dong, mm -hmm. but just flipped it over, so it was wa-dang, uh -huh. So I thought it was quite good for Deja Vu. Because you kind of heard it before, yeah. yeah um, they did things with the logo, too, and they, you, the yeah. logo's going back and forth, and yeah, Exactly. Perfect. So, so and, the, and that's kind of followed me around, and I, I, I yeah, often I, I'll flip audio files. Yeah. over and see what they sound like backwards. <laughs> it sounds like a first sign of madness. Yeah. Uh, and another one that you used that uh, I think it was also, it was in Deja Vu. It became the theme of Seraphim Falls. It's this kind of trumpet. The dun dun, I f dun, dun, dun. It was like a trumpet ba, thing. Ba, ba, yeah. Ba, yeah. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, little signatures, you know, when, yeah, if, yeah. if, um, I've I've never been shy about reusing oh, no. things. Not, you know, little and musical motifs that pop up in different ways. I mean, the, Songs that are used in different ways. I donn't see anything wrong with no, that, I especially mean, if they're they kind of work. Danger motif. People will kind of crap on it sometimes, but I think it's an amazing stamp of your voice. And yeah, your man, I, I actually wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> 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 yeah. Now we're we're talking about these these small things. It's right. it's good that you pick up on them. Oh, um, I do. Yeah, and there's another one you use for uh, uh, <laughs> for I think for chases. It's a dun 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 dun. Oh, it's a rhythmic pattern. Yeah, it's it's in Deja Vu during the Humvee chase. It's in Spy Game during. Yeah, 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 yes, yes. Yeah, it's in the town as well. 
Yes. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was also. In but it's uh, they all. I hope hope you'll agree that they're, they're. You know, this is just a rhythmic pattern that right. can be used in any way. But yeah, it seems. Like, I feel like you use it for certain. Yeah. For certain things, and yeah. so. I, I like it. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> Gives me the right feeling, but you know, I can I can make it sound very different to each it time. Does. Yeah, yeah, that's um, what I love. Yeah. Especially since it's just it's a rhythmic pattern, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So do you have like a bank of your Harry signature sounds? Sure, like? I have. I have. Um, I have. You know, I have a custom audio folder, right. which we build up every time. You know, after at the end of each movie, uh, every score. Mm-hmm. You know, like for instance, on on uh, we finished the Martian at the end of last year, um, whenever it was, and uh, yeah, I had my guys sit down with me. We we snipped up various really bits that we just sort of sat together. Maybe uh-huh. part of a loop that was working with another part of a loop, and maybe cut out a two bar sort of thing. Yeah, and you know that's housed on my on my hard drive and one day awesome. you'll probably hear it reversed I don't know put through a, <laughs> put through a sounds amp and you know but it, it's something that I created and I don't you know I, I'd like to have it going forward right. in case I want to uh, use it but I, it, it sounds like I, I'm trying to be really repetitive I'm not <laughs> no, but I, th- I think you know I'm, I'm not a bottomless pit of brilliant ideas you know sometimes things really sit together right. and, uh, and they work I don't think there's anything bad but with actually t- t- embracing that thinking right okay well where can I take it now no I, and, I, and then people will argue that oh self plagiarism and everything but I think it's not I mean directors reuse shots director styles and everything and I think it's just part of the, the fabric of yeah your voice and everything mm-hmm. so so are there any types of genres or films that you gravitate to more than anything else, even as just an audience member? No, I, d- I don't think... I, I like a lot of films. Um, I dislike a lot of films, actually. <laughs> well, um, I really do. Um, but, uh, you know, I, one of my favorite films is The Shawshank Redemption, I think, because, you know, I love the simplicity of the story. It's one guy trying to get out, you yeah. know, but the ingenuity and the character-led uh, cast, you know. Um, so I like drama. I like dramas and... Uh, I like thrillers, and I like to write music for those sort of films. Yeah. I like, I, you know, I always think my default <laughs> place, if I don't know exactly what I should be doing at any given moment uh-huh. in a score, is tension. <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, it works even if it's a comedy, you know, or a love story. You know, a bit of tension goes a long way. Right. Um, better than not having any point of view at all, music. <laughs> uh, but I do. I like. I love creating tension with yeah. music in films. I really, really do love that. Um, I, I had a really fabulous time on The Martian. I think I think if you, you know, to be able to find a film that's funny, uh, tense, uh, you know, and, and all those things and full of wonder and right. awe, I, th- I thought I was really exceptional. I, I loved that. I thought it was the best film of the year. But then I would, wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Um, I didn't really, I really didn't connect with the, the Carols and Brooklyn. I thought it was so dull. Uh, I love the actress. I thought she was bloody brilliant in that film that the Chemical Brothers uh, right, right, and Hannah yeah, yeah. so but you, I, you, yeah, get, you get a chance so to see so everything that, though so well you, sure you I'm a member of the Academy so right, I got all the screeners, screeners and everything. but I try to go to the theatre as much as possible I, you know I like some of those I like The Revenant a lot oh I love The Revenant um, yeah. uh, what do you think about Mad Max I, in terms of action I, I liked it yeah I did like it and it's so stylish oh I loved it yeah so stylish and uh, <laughs> so strong it's Upon a Time in America that is one of my favourite films yeah. of all time Leone is my top director do you know, I only watched that very recently. Um, Did you I was get the, on a, the new Blu-ray, the director's? No, movie? I didn't. I was on a very long plane ride, transatlantic plane ride. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought, my God, I can't go to sleep because uh, I'll never sleep when I get there. <laughs> well, I'm going to watch a movie on the plane. Uh-huh. I didn't really want to watch, I didn't want to watch something kind of important that's out now that I should really watch in the theatre. Right. 
Um, so I struck on Once Upon a Time in America, and I thought, well, how haven't I seen this movie before? So, of course, it was brilliant, because it took four hours to... It's nearly four hours long, that movie. Yeah, about four, almost a little bit over four hours. It's a really incredible movie. I loved it. Loved every moment of it. They did a, a re-release of it. It's remastered. And it's Morricone, isn't it? Morricone, yeah. I mean, wow. and Once Upon a Time in the West is also my fa- one of my yeah. favorite movies. And, you, I mean, as a, you've done Westerns. Like, Seraphim Falls, the Western. Yeah. And, uh, Cowboys and, and Aliens Cowboys is half a Western. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really love it. I wish Seraphim Falls got a score release. It's, mm. uh, it's I think, one of your... One of my favorite scores. Of yours. Oh, good. Yeah, um, that's very cool that you live once upon a time in America. So. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, so, sorry as we wrap up a little bit, um, if there's any other job on a film set that you could pick that's not the composer, what would you, if you had to, pick something else to do? <coughs> Production designer. Production designer. Mm. What interests you about? Well, that? I, you know, I like I like art. I like the way things look. I like the way things sound and look. The texture of things. I think it probably isn't a million miles away from composing. Does the production design of a film affect your writing at all? Do you look at other, like, some Well, no, I mean, you know, look at some of the, the, the great, look at The Martian, for instance, yeah. you know, Arthur Max is, 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 is an amazing uh, oh, brilliant. production yeah. designer. Um, well, look, look at Mad Max, yeah. yeah. Incredible, the production design. Any, any movie worth its salt's had some, you know, real thought put into the design of it, I'm sure. Right. Um, and that appeals to me, yeah. And so here's another... Uh, well, I could have a go at being a director so I could boss a composer <laughs> around. <laughs> That'd be fun. But that's another thing. Like, you, I've talked to a lot of composers because a lot of people will criticize your work and be like, oh, he did this, he did yeah. this. But you are under the direction of producers, directors. And may, do, you, do you now that you are later in your career, do you think you have more mm. creative freedom now because you work with directors who allow it than you did <clears throat> at the beginning of your career? Uh, no, not really. I think um, the more you work with the same person... The less, um, yeah, the, the the less antagonistic huh. behavior there isn't, and more um, more of a um, you know a push for a common co- for a common cause and for uh, uh, um, for some sort of an equilibrium. You know the the you know I did several films with Joel Schumacher, with Andrew right. Adamson, you know with Ben and uh, with Jeffrey Katzenberg, um, and the, and the more one works with the same person. You know, you you yeah. do get to know them, and with the Scott brothers, obviously, right. you you get to know. There's a sort of language that that, that doesn't need to be expressed yeah, because shorter. it's pretty obvious. Where because mm-hmm. if you know someone's musical tastes, you know, I know for instance with Ben Affleck, he's not doesn't like the music to be too overt. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like it to be right then, which is great because that's I like. Your, your, yeah, your I don't range, really yeah. want to do that. But um, if I didn't know that so well about him, I might wonder. Yeah. And uh, to to end the the, the thing, if and uh, end, end the the conversation, if you what's your your drink of choice? Like if you could only have one drink, beer, beer, yeah. You don't drink mixed drinks at all to get. <laughs> to get I mean, I, I drink mixed drinks. No, I went to a party last night and drank about three large glasses of water. <laughs> so it, it depends what mood I'm in. That was very unusual for me. Upset. <laughs> but then I had quite a day. It was Super Bowl yesterday. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah. Oh man. So. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, what's my drink of choice? Yeah, I'd say beer. beer? Always has been, yeah. Okay. Especially British bitter beer. Bitter beer. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I drink any old beer, really. Yeah. Well, Harry, uh, I want to thank you again for your time. Oh, please. Uh, this has been uh, a real pleasure for me.